Hello, everyone. Scarlet Nation podcast. This is John Otterstead. I am excited for today's interview because I had an opportunity to speak to a new member of the Scarlet Nation family. It's Shek Enjai. He is a young man who is finishing up his tenure at Rutgers, and he had the unbelievable opportunity of working with the Rutgers basketball program as a student manager. When this podcast is posted tomorrow morning, Sheck will also be on the Scarlet Nation Roundtable message board, which is our premium message board for subscribers, and he'll be answering questions and just adding a bit more to the conversation. And that's what you get as a premium subscriber to Scarlet Nation. You get all of the content we put out there, the free content, the premium content, and best of all, you get access to that Roundtable message board where we're talking 24 hours a day, there's someone on there, 365 days a year. And you get an opportunity to inter, or excuse me, to interact with our staff. And our staff is on the sidelines. They're on the court. They're on the football field. They interact with the coaches, the players. They've seen it all. And this is your opportunity to ask questions and just chat with them about what it's like to be a little bit closer to that Rutgers football or basketball or whatever program. So now, if you would like to join us and you do not have a subscription, we have a great deal right now. You get your first month for a penny. Just go to scarletnation.com and use the promo code SN4ACENT. That's SN, like Scarlet Nation, for a cent. SN4ACENT all together, and you will get your first month for a penny. With no further ado, I'm excited about this interview. Shek and Jai. Shek, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Oh, no problem. No problem. Glad to, glad to volunteer. Well, we're so glad to have you as part of the ScarletNation.com site. When we found out that you were looking for an opportunity and we heard that you'd worked with the Rutgers basketball program, it just sounded like you know an opportunity that was too good to pass up. Can you take a moment and just tell <laughs> the fans what you were doing for the program for the past four years? Oh, so basically, like after I graduated from St. Bank, which I was also a man, I was a head manager at St. Bank, and when I graduated, uh, when I graduated from high school, I thought to myself, why not do it in college? So when I found out I got accepted in the Rutgers, I talked to Chef Brad, who is the director of basketball operations there, and I became a manager from there. And I was responsible for like usually what you see with student managers on TV, like I'll handle equipment, I'll remount for players a lot. I had different games. Their responsibilities. It being a manager, you have to always be ready for what the coaches need you. And like available, sometimes I meant being in office, doing paperwork, filing stuff, or helping out with film. But usually, it meant a lot of like just setting up for practices, rebound for players. Like sometimes if they needed you after hours to like rebound for them, they will call you, and I would just show up to the rack in mornings, nighttime. Just oh, it's just the main thing about being a manager is being available for at the weirdest times. Is I always have to be available. All right. Well, now you worked for two head coaches, Eddie Jordan and Steve Peichel. Can you just list, mm -hmm. and, and this was actually a question by RUMSG79, one of the users on the message board at Scarlet Nation. Mm -hmm. He said, could you list five positive big changes you've seen since Pike took over? It doesn't have to be five, even one or two, but just uh, maybe some things that show that the team is moving in a positive direction. Uh, I would have to say that attention to detail will probably be them. The biggest change I've noticed from the transition from Jordan to Steve Peichel, I, and I mean, what I mean by that is that there are just a lot of things like, like even like when we're scouting like the other team's plays, for example, like Coach Young 
for like Steve Pack was hired a really great staff and Coach Young, who's a great defensive minded coach. It's just every everything in the scout report for this player, like he only goes up, he only like posts up on his right shoulder, just a little stuff. It's something that necessarily wasn't really focused on with in Coach Jordan's uh, scout reports, but with under this new staff, you could say that the attention details there to the training staff and every everything, everything from the locker room to you know renovated locker rooms, just a little stuff like that. It, it's the attention in detail. I would say is probably the biggest change. All right, now this is a question I asked uh, Brian uh, in our recent basketball interview, and that's Brian B, Brian Kelly BK and 118 on the message boards. But if you could take Eddie Jordan and Steve Peichel and meld them together to make a super coach, what qualities would you take from each coach? Uh, okay, so I'll start with Eddie. So Eddie, I love working for Eddie. First of all, just have to say that even though things didn't really work out, I really love working with Eddie. He's a really cool guy. And I think the one thing that stands about Eddie that also, like, helps him in the professionals in the NBA was that he's a player's coach. So whether that helps in recruiting or not, like, he was always a guy that could relate to the players because he he played in the professional league and he was Rutgers arguably was the best player that ever set foot in the rack. So that, that immediately stands out. He just knew how to relate to players. Like, he even worked in the AAU circuit at times, too, like, in the D.C. assault. So... He just knew how to relate to players. Like he knew how to interact with them. Like it was never. I, I can't. I can't think of a player who said who can't who said I don't. I didn't like working for Eddie. Like there are even NBA players who will vouch for him. So that's one quality I said about Eddie. And one thing I could say about Pike that probably Eddie lacked at the time was just Pike's personality. Like I say, like one thing about being a college basketball coach is that some, sometimes you say, "Oh, you have to be crazy," but. Pike just knew how to, uh, Pike knew how to motivate the troops. Like, say if we were down ten or something, he would just know how to dial in like the emotions for the players and just bring, rally everyone together to make a big run. Like he just knew how to motivate players. He knew how to challenge players. Like whether that was yelling or whether that's saying, like one one of the famous things that like, you have to add some shit to your shit. Like, and and that and that stands out because it, it's telling you have to be creative. You have to think. You have to think on top of your feet. Like especially when the defense can pressure you. So. Pike always had these, these really good things, and he just automatically, like, as soon as he came in, his aura just automatically just stood in within the rack. So you could tell that he was going to definitely make some changes to the program. So I would say, like, his personality about Pike stood out. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to your comments about Coach Jordan because I think often when things don't work out for a coach, we want to just wipe away everything, every memory we have of that coach, and just say, hey, they were no oh, good. Oh, yeah. They and obviously, there was a lot to like about Coach Jordan in the time that he spent here. Yeah, it was definitely because it was, and when he first got hired, I wasn't here at the time, but it was, it was like the best story ever because of like the when Rutgers was probably at its peak basketball wise, he he was a part of that. He was the leader of that, and it seemed as though like it was, things were going to get together when he stepped foot on campus. But the due to several things, it just didn't work out. So. I don't think his legacy is tarnished by it, if anything, because he helped build up, up Rutgers to get to that point where he could have came back. So I don't, I definitely don't want his legacy to be a part of what the, the coaching failures that he had here, especially because he has other, he has a resume from other, even at the higher levels where he succeeded to back that up. Now I'm going to ask a question. I know that you saw some of the questions that were posted on the board. This is just off the mm-hmm. top of my head. I just thought of it as we were talking right now. 
when you look at the staff of assistants that you've worked with over the past four years, I'm going to just throw mm-hmm. out some categories and you give me a name. That, first, what name that comes to mind? Hardest okay. working assistant coach. Oh, uh, I have to say Coach Young. All right. Let's go with the one that relates to the players the best. It relates to the players the best uh, currently or just like in, in both staffs? In both staffs. Uh, I was, Right now, I'll have to say Coach Knight because he's the youngest. He's played professionally in the league, and he's a point guard. So automatically, like, if you're trying to recruit a point guard or a guard overall, that immediately stands out. And he's he's from the New Jersey. He's from New Jersey, uh, I think, believe West Orange. So he, especially when you're trying to recruit Jersey kids, like that, automatically stands out. He just he's still young, uh, as I said earlier. So he just knows how to relate. He's been through the college lifestyle. He's been in the professional league. So whenever when anyone has a question to ask, they always go right to him, and things immediately click. From the old staff, I have to say Van Mason. Like I, I saw Van last summer at like a at a tournament, at an Under Armour tournament. We like it was like he never left it. Way he's just a cool guy overall. He's succeeding right now at St. Louis, doing his thing. I'm happy for him as well. But Van was always a guy that I always talked to uh, every day in practice. Like being as a manager, you like you you're close with the, the head coach because they rely on the manager to do certain things. But you're really closer to the assistants because. As you're on the court, the assistants are split up in different positions. So if I'm working under the basket, I might be I might be standing next to Coach Knight or Coach Young, for example, and you just like talk about stuff like on basketball wise, personal wise, just little conversations like that that helps you build a certain relationship. That's awesome. All right, let's go to the next category: the tactician. The tactician. Yeah, who, like who's the one who just knows the playbook the best? The one maybe you'd rely on for that instruction on how to do something? Uh, hmm. That could go in many ways. Uh, I would say, like, it depends. Like, if it's defense, obviously you're going to go young. Like, Hobbs definitely knows this stuff, too. Like, you could put that in the category. But overall, I, you have to say young, too, for that for the playbook-wise. All right. Now we go to, let's just say Rutgers hits a pinnacle never seen before in recent years over the next few years and coach Peichel leaves who on staff, whether even current or past staff, could you see succeeding him? Uh, well, that's it. See, the thing about that is that you, you have our assistant staff is like made up of three players, like three coaches that have either been a head coach or have the capability of being a head coach. Like I, I joke around the managers all the time. We have four head coaches on one staff. But if there was one I would have to say, I would probably say Young, like, because obviously he worked under Pike. So he, Pike was out for him. Like, he's at, at, during the day that Stony Brook. So you would, I would, that's automatically, that's, that's something that stands out right there. So that's, that's one of the main reasons why I think. And obviously, like, if you look at our Ken Palm rankings, you see the transition we made as a defensive team. So, like his work, like Coach is young, where he really stands out in a sense. But at the same time, Howes has been a head coach and has probably the most success out of everyone. I'm not sure if he wants to get back into the head coaching position, but Pike was Carl Howes' assistant at George Washington, so that it's kind of crazy because he was a he was a coach of the year at one point for that his conference. So is it could go either or. And Coach Knight is a rising is a rising assistant who can. Take the, who can take a head coaching position anywhere, but if I had to pick point one, it would be young because of 
he's worked he's worked under Pike, so he knows he knows the system in a sense. Yeah, it's a great staff. So let's move yeah, on to a, a different type of question. Let's look at the players right now. Hardest working mm-hmm. player. Uh, is this heading into next year or just on this team? I mean, from last. Season? I guess let's just say the hardest working player that you've had the pleasure of working with thus far. Oh, there's been a uh, there's been a couple. Of, I would like like Miles and Kadeem were definitely people that were their gym rats, especially. But like based on like the years that I've been here the longest, and the player that's been with, around me the longest, I would say Mike. Mike definitely. Mike definitely was always a guy that was like at the majors, but like go out and get some shots up late at night, even before like he was. He always he always took pride in his craft in a sense, and that's always one thing you had to respect about him in a, in a sense. And, and Greg Lewis also was another guy. Like Greg really dedicated his life to his program because. He would he would even call me up in some morning like before I had class to just get some shots of Greg Lewis, who graduated uh, two years ago. But Greg was also another guy that really stood out. Uh, yeah, I, those are yeah those are definitely some players. Like Corey would be some Corey would definitely be in the gym sometimes too. But the hardest working was probably Mike, in my opinion, from what I saw. Yeah, and you know, what about just the guy who was the most fun to be around? If somebody could sneak in and watch you all talking and interacting inside the locker room or out on the court, or maybe even just at parties on the weekend. Who's the guy who really <laughs> brought the team together on a kind of social level? Uh, well, fun, like, uh, who brought everybody together, it was, in a way, it was probably Deshaun. Like, Deshaun was really, Deshaun's a really cool guy, honestly. Like, he's a, he's funny to be around. He Anywhere Deshaun goes, honestly, there's always, like, there's always, you're always gonna come out with like laughing, whether he says something or whether you're just around him. Like I was just like if we were doing drills or something, he would o- he would always be talking whether it was something basketball related on basketball, something not related to basketball. But he was di- he, at the same time he was dialed in, but he was just a fun person to be around on and off the court. Even Mike too, Mike too as well. Like Mike is one of the closest players I because Mike came in my freshman year, so we were kind of we, ha- we kind of had that bond together in a sense. So. Yeah, he was a great person to be around too. But I, yeah, it's Deshaun. It's between Deshaun and Mike, but I probably get as Deshaun on that one. All right, now let's get back to some of the questions from the message board users. Scarlet Armor he asks, "Who in the current roster do you view as the most vocal leader?" And I'll add in, let's look for the gentlemen who are going to be coming back next year. Who do you think is going to be that vocal leader? Eugene by far. Eugene is going to be the most vocal leader by far. Like you could tell, you could tell by just what he does on the court. He leads the team in charges taking. He's always, he's always crashes the board. He's always vocal. He gets the, he gets the team dialed in in a sense. Like Deshaun was our leader, but you could see Eugene taking that transition to the next level as well. When his, especially like, like even even where he was starting or coming to the bench, Eugene brought the same energy in it. It was always in practice too. Like you could even see the coaches challenging him to in a sense. Like they will always be on him. Especially with defensive schemes, because he was viewed as a leader on that from that standpoint. All right. Now, yeah, you, I'm yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to Eugene. cut you off. You're still gonna go with Eugene? Oh no, problem. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Eugene. Yeah, I'm, yeah Eugene's probably he's gonna be the most vocal by far. All right. So now, one gentleman named NJ Mike JP. He asks, which player of the 2018 class will have the biggest impact over their RU career? Now, obviously, I know you have not seen them all play, but like the rest of us, I'm sure you've watched tape, you've heard them, you know, you've heard about them, what people's opinions are. 
So we have Montez Mathis, Ron Harper Jr., Shaq Carter, and the new commit, Caleb McConnell. If you were just mm-hmm. to guess, obviously not having worked out with them, but just based on need of the team, what you've seen on tape, if you were to bet on one of those players being the most impact uh, you know, amongst them, who do you think? Uh, I've honestly, like, I've only seen, I've only seen film of Montez and Ron Harper just because they committed early in the process. Like Shaq came a later along the way and then Caleb just committed yesterday. So like, congrats to that. But I would, yeah, I'd probably just say Montez, like, because, because the last four-star recruit we had coming in was Corey. And then before that was Miles. So he's already coming in with a established name. And what I've seen on, he's played a national schedule. Like he's, he played for John Carroll School. He played with the Kentucky commit point guard Mayo quickly. So, yeah, he's been he's been he's done well in the AAU circuit as well. So I I see what he's bringing to the game. Like, so I think he's gonna have the most impact out of these four years if he is gonna be a four year player. And I, yeah, I've seen I've seen this film, so I I'm definitely confident he's gonna have the most impact. Ron Harper too is is definitely gonna be an yeah, impact as well. Like, he's definitely blowing up, especially within the state tournament as well. Now, you and I both had a conversation about Peter Kiss and Miles Johnson over dinner the other day uh, after the combine, uh-huh. and I know that you have some definite thoughts about the two of them. Fans are oh, excited yeah, because, you know, they've seen some tape. They've heard some rumors about good things coming out of practice. What can you tell me about the two of them? Oh, those those aren't rumors. You got those. That's the real deal. From If people are hearing what, if, like, if what you're hearing, like from based from the rumors, they're true. Like Peter Kiss is a bona fide scorer. Like people don't realize that Peter's first year at Quinnipiac, he was in his not kind of schedule. He was getting buckets against T and Hall, at these top notch Gonzaga. Like and there's even film on YouTube to validate that as well. So he's already coming in as a bona fide scorer. And just to think of the fact that he's gotten bigger, more athletic, and even developed as more as a overall scorer. He's set aside from shooting alone with from this one year from from having to sit out. Like of uh, improved Peter Kiss is gonna what he's starting or coming off the bench, he's gonna be a, a person that's it could even lead our lead our team in scoring if depending on what role he's using because he just has that scores mentality. And Miles by far like like even though he didn't get to play this year, like he can he can be our best big on the court, honestly. Like the guy's wingspan is off the charts. It's, it's touching from one end of the court to the other. His wingspan is amazing. He has a great passer at the post. He has a, he has a solid touch as a big man too. And this summer is going to be crucial for him. He's already lost like 25 pounds, so if he can even lose more weight and trim that, and just learn how to like, it's, it's, it's going to be a fresh. Even though he's going to be a sophomore by years, he's going to be a freshman playing wise. So it's going to be a learning curve at the same time compared to Peter, who's already played at college basketball, but. Miles is gonna Miles can be an impact is gonna be an impact player for these four years. So be prepared, Rutgers basketball. Now, is it true that at times this year on the practice court, Miles Johnson was the best player out there? Oh, by far. Like it was like it's different because obviously you're doing practice settings. So like it was like it was like okay, like during scout team, for example, like you would like if we were we were running Michigan State that he would be like Nick Ward or Jaron Jackson, like in in the post, so there would literally be times where our base couldn't stop him. It would, it, it was just like amazing to watch. And this is as still as he's getting in game shape now. Like he can't get in game shape fully because he's not playing. But as he's getting in more shape, you could just see the fact that how he was able to dominate. Like it was just, 
it was sometimes you're just we're looking of like players are looking at one another and just like wow like this guy's gonna be special. Wow. So it's not rumors. It's it's definitely it's definitely the real deal with Peter Kiss and Miles Josh. I'm telling you that. Now, Mark, are you twelve twelve ninety eight? He asked about Mamadou Dakor and just you know how he's developing and what fans can expect from him down the line. What do you think? Oh well, you can expect a lot, dude. And people don't realize this. Like, Duke was supposed to be a high school senior this year. Like, he were classified up. People don't realize that. So, you're t- you're t- he had a lot to learn. Like, he earned the starting position because obviously, like, Candido was hurt early in the year. Shaq was still like coming off of his like coming off of his surgery. So. Like the dude just capitalized the opportunity. You could just tell like he brought the energy, the explosiveness is there. He still he has a touch with his mid range shot. Like it definitely it de- he definitely like separates himself as a def- like a guy who's gonna make an impact. Like later on in the year it kinda like the freshman wall in a sense kind of got to him in a sense, but to even toward the big ten tournament, he definitely got some closure back and you I you're gonna be experimenting with him. I could see him he's he's a five right now. I could see him Transitioning to a four, maybe in certain lineups, depending on what the what 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 the coaches want to do with him. But Duke is on, the sky's the limit for him. And I think the main thing with him is just like his the basketball IQ. Like as I said earlier, he was supposed to be playing high school basketball. So he had, he basically it's basically you're you're going you're stepping in another grade uh, ahead in another grade. You're in a learning curve that you have to adjust to, and that happened with Duke last year. So. Technically, next year is his real freshman year, just like Miles is his real freshman year in a sense. So, it is a lot. It's just a lot of potential losing out of Duke, and it's only it's only going to get better from here and here out. Aside from like injuries, which we don't want to happen, obviously. Right now, I don't even know how to pronounce this gentleman's name. J Meeg, E R I V. Not quite sure what it is, but he asks, "Who do you foresee making big strides this off season?" And which big has the most offensive upside? Uh, wait, wait, what player or big? Well, yeah, sorry, I, I guess right. he kind of mixed the two. But let's just start overall. You know, who do you see coming back a completely different person next year? Biggest strides? Uh, I, I, I honestly, I would have. Well, Gio's obviously gonna have to become more of a leader, obviously, because it's the it, the keys aren't hit hand now, but. I see Eugene filling in that role because, at, like, you already saw it. Like, people already saw, like, the improvement he made from his freshman year to sophomore year. Like, he even told me his freshman year, he was just still adjusting, and he didn't feel as though, like, he was there in a sense. Like, he was kind of just – like, he t- it was weird. He told me, like, his, he was there, but he wasn't. He didn't feel as though he was really playing until this year. So, um, another year of improvement where he could add more range, add more bulk, and get healthy compared from with injury suffered late in the, the Big Ten Conference, I could see Eugene taking another leap as well because he's going to be our leader because Sean's leaving, Corey's leaving. So our one of our two two most vocal leaders and Mike Edwards are our two vocal guys and another senior leader are going to be leaving. So I think Eugene's going to embrace that role as a challenge and he's going he's gonna to accept it and just, just basically go go on from there. All right, and his second question was, which big has the most offensive upside? Uh, in terms of bigs right now, Miles, by far, Miles. Gotcha. Now, another yeah, user, well, we've talked about Miles, so let's move on a little bit because I want to be sensitive to your time. So mm-hmm. this gentleman, Bandolero, says, who's going to step up and take the big shots now that Corey's gone? 
That's a question I asked you the other day, and I keep thinking about it just because, you know, he was that guy that you look to have the ball when you needed a shot. Who's going to be that guy this year? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, that, that's a tough question. Uh, well, the thing is, like, I like Peter. Like I said, Peter has that scores mentality, and if you see the way he is in practice, like he's 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 in your face. Like if he gets a bucket on you, he will let you know in your face that he scored on you. Like it's he's crazy. You know, it's a good craziness as basketball wise. Yeah, I enjoy but watching I think, his highlights for that very reason alone. Yeah, it it automatically like you just even from watching highlights that scores mentality just stands out, but. Like, I think we all saw in the Big Ten tournament that when Gio's name is called, he's ready to take that big shot. And he just has the ability to create off the dribble and make tough shots. Like, I'm not really, like, I'm not sure what the plan is. Like, obviously, the ball is going to be in his hand, so he's going to have to be more of a point, especially if the plan is to start Montez along with him and then maybe East at the three. So he's going to be more of a point guard, but in terms of the big shot, I want Gio, I want either Gio or Peter taking it, but... I'm leaning towards Gio right now because I've seen them do it at the Big Ten stage. Now, I, you mentioned Issa, and he's a gentleman who we haven't talked much about, but you know, I see flashes in him, and I want to see more. <laughs> what does he have to do to take that next step? It's uh, everything is with confidence because Issa is Issa's a rare case because he had to get adjusted culturally along with playing basketball, so it's already a tough adjustment like. He went to school in the U.S. at one point, but like, they, like at the same time, he wasn't accustomed to like the, the United States. Like, he came here basically by himself. Like, we're actually like my dad is like I'm half to believe my dad's from there, and he's from there. So we kind of bonded through that connection from being uh, from the like kind of being from the same country in a sense. But he had, he had a lot to learn there, and he just like you could tell the leap he made, and that was just all from confidence, like. There'll be times in practice where we just have to tell him shoot the ball, shoot the ball, like because we want him to take those shots in. But which was the same thing in game t- situations too. Oh yeah, the crowd, everybody, the crowd would just tell him to shoot the ball because you would see him in warmups making 15 straight. And obviously, like yeah, it's, good, it's different with a like defender in front of your face, but like we want you to take those shots and everything is just confidence wise. Like sure, there's things like he has to get a little bit more creative off the dribble and maybe quicken the release issue and release a little bit, but like everything is just confidence wise. And you saw that you saw that through the Big Ten tournament in a way where he was he was taking that that next leap in the sense of becoming like I right now I'm a team as a three and D player. All right. So there's two questions coming up, both from they're both similar, so I'm gonna merge them together. The one is from Are You Fan Esquire, the other one is Law Boy PA. They both just Ask about the remaining scholarships and how Rutgers plans to use them. I obviously I know you're not talking to Coach Pike right now about what he intends to do with them, but you know how do you see them using it? Whether for uh, incoming freshmen, grad transfers, what positions do you think they need to strengthen up? Well, right now, I, in terms of, I honestly like I obviously we got Caleb, so that fills in one, but. I think we need a backup point guard right now. Honestly, like we really the backup point guard. Like we didn't, we lacked that this year. Like, you know, and, and Soup was supposed to be that guy that would give relief, relief minutes to Corey, and it just didn't work out. So there would be a lot of times where Corey was gas, and we would have to give Gio more minutes to fill in that role. Like, so I think it's like we're going after Smith right now. They transferred from 
Duquesne, I believe. So I think that would be a, a really great addition right there. Like the backup point guard position, I think is probably the most crucial thing we need to add. And maybe we could add another big in as well. I, I think mainly like the point backup point guard position, also like it, or even adding another shooter would be a good a good thing to fill in for the scholarship. But the backup point guard position, I think, is the most important thing to fill. All right, here's my last question for you. Four years working for the Rutgers basketball program. I know you're ending your mm-hmm. undergraduate years at Rutgers, possibly moving on in your career or possibly staying for graduate work, mm-hmm. still up in the air. But when you look back, you have to be a little nostalgic right now. What are you going to miss the most oh, yeah. about working for Rutgers basketball? Oh, man, that's a really tough question. It was, like, it was crazy. Like, after after the Big Ten tournament, like, I was, like, we, we, we stood all together in the Purdue locker room, and everyone was, like, just, like, reflecting. And I almost, like, just stood there and was about to cry because you put in so much time and you realize, like, it's really over. Like, I think the main thing is just probably just interacting with the players the most because I was always the type of manager where I was always focused on my work, but I connected with the players as if, they were like my brothers in a sense. So like walking in, seeing the players every day, that was just something I always appreciated. Like I even appreciated at high school and when I was working at St. Benedict too. And I, I still keep in touch with some of the same guys to this day. So that was always the main thing. Like just keep interacting, having the opportunity to interact with the players. Like, cause they're my friends. They're my friends on and off the court as well. So that's just probably the main thing I'm going to miss because you, when you're around people for so long, like, you just you establish a connection, and then from there, like you're basically you're like we're all going through a struggle together because the college basketball season is a grind itself. So you find ways to connect and learn more about different people, like coming from different parts of the country, or whether they're coming from Jersey or from Amsterdam, like Shaq. So that's just the one thing I always just I always appreciate is just like learning new things about different guys and being able to hang out with them. That's awesome, Shaq. I'm. Really appreciate the opportunity to get to know you and learn more about you. And this was just a great interview. I can't thank you enough. And I'm going to save it, post it, and then invite people on the roundtable message board to ask questions because I have a feeling we'll be able to really extend this conversation some more in the coming days. So thank you so much. Oh, no, no problem. I'm glad glad to share my input, and I'll definitely answer any questions anyone want to post. I mean, it's, it's great to be working for Scholar Nation. I'm, I'm loving it right now. All right, folks, that was our interview with Sheck Njai. If you'd like to join the conversation on the roundtable and you are not a premium subscriber, make sure you get over to scarletnation.com. Subscribe today. Make sure you use the promo code SN4ASCENT. SN, the number four, ASCENT, all together. SN4ACENT and you will be part of the Scarlet Nation community. Thank you so much. Till next time.